In a rare Saturday edition of the Locked On NBA Big Board podcast, I will share my thoughts on who stood out and who struggled in the Tennessee vs. Gonzaga exhibition game, which felt more like an NCAA tournament game that took place last night in Frisco, Texas. Stay tuned. Good morning. Happy Saturday. Again, like I said, this is a rare Saturday episode, but shout out to each and every person that has made the Locked On NBA Big Board podcast your first listen of the day. And in this case, your first listen of the weekend, maybe it's your second listen of the weekend, but either way, thank you for listening and checking it out this weekend. I am your host, Rafael Barlow, the director of scouting for NBA Big Board and the founder of NBA Draft Junkies. And even though college basketball has not officially, officially started yet, there's been exhibition games. And, and, and now this year, it seems a little bit different. There are like, exciting matchups in games that, that don't necessarily count, which, you know, it's like a bonus for, for the fans and even the scouts like, like myself. And last night, I was at the Gonzaga versus Tennessee unofficial game in Frisco, Texas. I personally felt like this game was scheduled for Drew Timmy. Drew Timmy's from the Dallas area. He's a senior. He's done so much for Gonzaga. and He's done so much for, I mean, just, I guess you could say college basketball in a sense. I mean, he's a guy that people, either they love or they dislike, but either way, some people are tuning in just to watch him succeed and watch him fail in a sense, which is kind of crazy. But he's a guy that, you know, I think that he is going to be the player of the year in college basketball. I think that he's probably been the best college basketball player, at least one of the top five best college basketball players, regardless of NBA rankings or NBA projections. Just overall college basketball player, I think he's been one of the the best probably like for the last two or three years. So this game, which is, again, my opinion, I can't say it's 100% true, but I feel like this game was basically just – schools or, or the the company that put together the game the event just basically giving Timmy an opportunity to play in his home city and it didn't go like Gonzaga fared I mean they ended up losing I mean it was it was a good game in the first half but in the second half they ended up getting smacked by 20 and uh, I think the, the final score was 99 to 80 but at one point it was like a 21 point game all right, but let's talk about some of the guys that that are on NBA draft boards who played in last night's game. And the number one prospect coming into this game that has, I guess, the most buzz around his name is Julian Phillips, the freshman from Tennessee. He has really good positional size, and he's someone that I think is, I think he's a first-round pick. I think that if he has a really good season, he can sneak into the back end of the lottery. But I think he's somebody that can go between 15 and 30. And what's really interesting about Phillips's role is that he may not enter the draft this year simply because he may not have really good numbers. Tennessee does not need him to have a big year to be a really good team. They are so deep and, and, and they have veterans and they're so talented that he could – be passive and put up eight points a game and the team would be good 
but he could put up eight points a game and just show enough flashes as to where he could be a first-round pick. So this is my first time getting a chance to watch him live. And like I said, good positional size. He has really, really skinny legs. Like, he has really skinny legs. That was the first thing that stood out to me. Then he picked up some early fouls. But he showed that he can knock down shots, especially off the catch. He finished with 12 points, 4 of 5 from the floor, 3 of 3 from deep. Only played 20 minutes. What was weird is that he had some bad free throw misses. Like, he missed two free throws where the way they came off of his hand, it looked like he had no touch at all. And then maybe, like, four minutes later, he knocked down a three and then came down and knocked down another three a couple possessions after that. But I think that he has a chance to be a two-year guy. I think that, um, like I said, Tennessee doesn't necessarily need big numbers for him. And, and rarely do you find a situation where a guy is a projected first-round pick, but he's not the best player on, on his team. But overall, I mean, he showed the flashes. I'll definitely be paying close attention to him. I did end up speaking to some some scouts and some coaches about Phillips. And they all had some different opinions. Everyone liked the, the talent. But as far as, like, what does he do best was kind of up of – it was kind of like a topic of the discussion. Again, he has the wing size. He's a good athlete. He plays hard, live body. He, based off of what he showed in high school, that he can't make shots. He does draw fouls off his activity, and he can shoot all over the floor. He's a good transition finisher. But the concerns were – what does he do off the dribble? Does he create off the dribble? Is he going to be your 3 and D guy? Um, if he's going to be your 3 and D guy, he's obviously going to need to get stronger because he's really thin. But one of the knocks on him is that he's too unselfish to a fault. And, and that's another reason why some felt like he could end up being two years because he may not even have the numbers this year to warrant being a first-round pick. But we've seen numbers don't always matter. I mean, we've seen a couple guys in in the 2022 NBA draft that went in the first round that, like, really weren't productive at all. All right, the next player that I want to talk about is Nolan Hickman. Hickman is someone that I've seen on some draft boards as a late first-round pick, and I get it. I mean, he's very intriguing. He's steady. I think that he would have a role in the NBA as, like, a game manager. But I'll be honest, I was kind of disappointed in his play yesterday. I mean, he just wasn't aggressive or, or assertive. He only took seven shots. He missed all of his shots from three. And what I wanted to see out of him this year was, and again, this is just one game, so I don't want to necessarily overreact, and it was a, technically an exhibition game. But for me personally, what I would like to see out of Hickman this year is for him to be a little bit more aggressive and for him to attack the rim more. I think he has to handle the burst and the pace to be able to get to the rim. But that was not something that he did a lot of last year. And last season as a freshman, in a limited role, he was on a very deep team. But over half of his shots were from three. Now, I think that that was because he struggled finishing around the rim. And he only made like 31% of his shots around the basket. Now, I think that he could do a better job of maximizing his ball handling and his shiftiness. Because getting to the rim is something that he doesn't do. Or even draw fouls. Last year, for the whole season, he only took 15 free throws. Only took 15. So he showed some improvements on that last night because he took three. But he missed all of his shots from three. And he definitely got outplayed. 
there's no doubt about it, even if you're like the biggest Gonzaga fan, you, you left that match feeling like he lost the point guard battle with a guy that is much smaller than him. And I'll get on Zakai Ziegler shortly. All right, the last prospect that I want to talk about in this segment is Drew Timmy. You can't talk about Gonzaga without mentioning Drew Timmy. Timmy is someone that I think is going to get drafted. He is a divisive prospect, and I've talked about Timmy at length on, on plenty of episodes. I like Timmy. <laughs> I, I'm i a big fan. I like post-play. I love the fact that he has like this old-school throwback post-game, and he's just fun to watch. I'm, I'm going to miss drew timmy playing college basketball next year maybe there's some way where he can come back for a fifth year but i'm gonna miss drew timmy he is one of my favorite players just because like i said i love low post play i love guys that can score on an island and that's one of the things that that timmy does well now this game he got off to a hot start i mean he showed why he's such a phenomenal college basketball player i mean he made soft touch hooks and the post moves and Got off to a really hot start. Then he kind of struggled in the second half. And I think he had some issues with Tennessee's size and their length. But he finished with 17 points, three rebounds, two assists, and got in some foul trouble. He had five fouls. But he was only one of four from the foul line. Now, what I think that Timmy needs to show this year to help his draft stock is, one, I think he needs to become a better foul shooter. And he needs to improve as a three-point shooter and as a floor spacer. Now, he showed that at the Combine. I thought he shot the ball very well from three in the, the games at the NBA Combine. But he's going to have to show it throughout the season. I mean, scouts have plenty of game film. They know who he is. They know what he can do. They know what he doesn't do well. But this last year, I think that he just has to show that he can space the floor. There are going to be some concerns about him defensively. But if he spaces the floor and becomes a better free throw shooter, I think that really helps his case. But then again, it may not because it's one of those things sometimes with, with scouting and college basketball. The more game film they have on you, their mind is already set and determined one way. So I don't think that he can really do much to like put himself in first round status, even if he shoots 40% from three, <laughs> I still think people's minds are, are already made up about Drew Timmy. All right, when we return, I'll talk about a few players that really stood out to me and, and caught my attention, but let's talk about prize picks. Prize picks is daily fantasy made easy, and with prize picks, all you have to do is play you versus the projections. How does it work? You can pick two to five players, and if they go score more or less than their prize picks projections, you can win up to 10 times your money on any entry it's not competition against other people it's just you versus the projections available prize picks offers projections on any sport that you watch which includes nba nfl major league baseball nhl pga college football men's college basketball women's college basketball soccer wnba and more and entries can be made in 60 seconds or less it's that easy it is safe and there are fast withdrawals and it is currently operational in over 30 states and Canada. So download the Price Picks apps or go to pricepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First time users can receive 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code locked on. If you deposit $100, Price Picks will give you $100. If you deposit $50, Price Picks will give you $50. So don't forget to enter the promo code locked on and sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. 
Once again, you're listening to the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast. I am your host, Rafael Barlow. And shout out to each and every person that has made this podcast a success and your first listen of the day. Now, for your second listen, check out Locked On Sports today. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insight that only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports Today, it is available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. All right, I want to talk about a few players that really caught my attention in last night's game, and three of them play for Tennessee, which posted a blowout, surprisingly blowout win over Gonzaga, which I think is ranked number two in the country. And it was a toss-up between the two most impressive, between the most impressive player on the floor. And I'm going to go with Zakai Ziegler. Zakai Ziegler is a guy that made a name for himself last year. He was so good that he moved Kennedy Chandler off the ball some. And Ziegler is 5'9", and he is the baddest man on the floor. He is competitive. He's tough. I mean, last night was a game where if, if you look at the stats, the, the numbers are fine. He had 13 points and eight assists and three steals, but they don't tell you the whole story he was the best player on the floor at 5'9 he was disruptive on offense as far as like getting in the paint and on defense he was just picking up and just being a pest he does everything that you like out of a small guard he's a dog his fingerprints were all over the game he got in the paint when he wanted and when he didn't get into the paint he was able to knock down pull-up jumpers now again I know this was just one exhibition game but he has the mindset and the fire, the competitive fire, the dog that I wanted to see out of Nolan Hickman. Hickman has more NBA positional tools because the NBA just seems to be against small guards. And even though Hickman's not necessarily a big guard, but he does have better size and, and better intangibles. But Ziegler is, was, was the best player. He, he definitely outplayed him. Hickman was cool, and this is not a knock on Hickman. He was cool, he was calm, which that's his game. That's his personality, totally fine with that. But sometimes when a guy is really calm and he's cool and he goes up against, like, a dog, like Ziegler, who was the epitome of undersized, underheralded. I know he didn't have, like, a crazy bunch of high school or a crazy bunch of offers out of high school. He's young for his class. And he's just an underdog. And I think when you're small, as a small guard, you usually have this chip on your shoulder. It's like this extra drive that it takes to, you know, feel like you belong when you're playing in such a, a, a tall man, a big man sport. And Ziegler had that. And he looked like he was out to prove that he is not only the best point guard in the game, but he looks like he's out to prove that he's one of the best point guards in the nation at 5'9". So I was... Completely impressed by his performance. I mean, I think he could be an all-SEC guy this year, and he is going to be the catalyst for Tennessee's success this year. The next player that I wanted to talk about is somebody that, I'll be honest with you, I was not familiar with. I never heard of Tyreek Key <laughs> until last night, and he was the leading scorer. He led all scores with 26 points, was 8 of 12 from the floor, shot 4 of 7 from deep. He is a transfer from Indiana State, so he played with Jake LaRavia, and he sat out all last season because he had a, a shoulder injury that he suffered about, about a year ago. And he averaged 17 points per game at Indiana State. He is a scorer. Now, the, the shooting 
it's weird because when I first saw him play, I thought he was a shooter. Then I did the research. Like, the shooting numbers are kind of inconsistent. Like, he shot 38% from three one year, then 44 one year, then, like, 31%. But he is a bucket. And um, I, I received a couple of DMs about, hey, you got to watch out for this guy. He's, he's, he's a great scorer. He can create his own shot. Talked to some of the coaches from Tennessee after the game, and they were like, this guy, adding him, is going to make this team really, really good. They felt like this team is better than last year's team that had Kennedy Chandler. So I'm, I'll be looking forward to to watching Keith play. Now, he is a little bit older. He's 24 years old. And when I, when I was speaking to a, a parent of a Division One player earlier yesterday, and his this, this parent has a son that is a freshman at a Power 5 school, and he mentioned that, College basketball is getting older. He says this is not a a game for a bunch of 18 and 19-year-olds anymore. He says college basketball is full of guys that are 23 and 25. And he just mentioned a few schools that have guys that are playing at 25. He said there's one kid that he used to coach that is playing behind a 26-year-old. And he just mentioned that he's ready for this this COVID year, the guys that got, they received the extra year because of COVID, and then the grad transfers, he's, which is not going anywhere, but he's ready for <laughs> that era, especially the COVID guys, to end because he felt like a lot of the 18-year-olds, whether you are an 18-year-old that was a top 150 prospect or an 18-year-old that can't get a scholarship this year because college coaches are looking more towards the the transfer portal than recruiting high school guys. He just feels like it has really changed the landscape of college basketball. But anyway, I said all that to say this key is 24 years old. So you look at him, he's probably like five or six years older than, than Julian Phillips. And that makes a huge difference. Overall, I think key is going to be very, very key. No pun intended for, for Tennessee this year. Now the next player that I was impressed by Jonas Adu. He has good positional size at 6'11". He's active. He's long. And he made a three-pointer. Now, he took three shots from three. He only made one. But he also had three assists. Only played 15 minutes, but he had nine points of four or six shooting. I think that he has a chance. He has the positional size. He's long. Now, if he can develop into a reliable pick-and-pop threat and he's active on the boards and he's blocking shots, then I think that he has a chance to really make a name for himself. He's a sophomore, didn't play a, a whole lot as a freshman, but he could be one of the breakout players or breakout stars in college basketball next year. All right, when we return, I'll talk about a few guys that I was a little bit disappointed in their performance. But again, it's just one game. Stay tuned. All right, once again, you're listening to the Locked On NBA Big Board podcast on a Saturday. This is Rafael Barlow, your host, and a few prospects that I want to discuss. Actually, before I get into the guys that were a little bit disappointing, I got to talk about Uros Pavalashik. Hopefully I said that right. It's a name that I try to write it out phonetically, and then right when it's time for me to say it on air, I just totally forget that he is a senior. He's been around for a while. Cannot forget about his performance. Six of six from the floor, 13 points, four assists. And he used his size at 7-1 to make things a little bit difficult for Timmy. That was an interesting battle. They 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 kind of went back and forth in a sense as far as, you know, uh, Euros would, would get a stop or he'd make a, Timmy take a difficult shot in the second half. But after the first half, Timmy 
looked like he was just not afraid or impacted by his size. So I thought that was a pretty good matchup. But Euros was, again, like I said, 13 points, 6 of 6 from the floor. And he played a role in getting Timmy in, in foul trouble. So I'm looking for a big year from him. All right, two guys that I want to talk about that I've seen their names on different draft boards as potential top 40 players. And one is Julian Strother. Julian Strother has had a breakout season last year after not playing a whole lot as a freshman. He finished with 12 points and five boards. He was three of 10 from the floor, but he was two of six from three. And he's someone that I'm kind of torn on in a sense because he does have a skill set that is very valuable in the NBA. But when I spoke with different scouts, we shared like the same opinions is that he's a good shooter. But he's not like a knockdown, knockdown, great shooter. There are some concerns with his low release, but he's a guy that can get hot. He he got off to a tremendous start last year, but he's still a little streaky. So for him, I think that if he can show a little bit more consistency from three, you know, maybe I want to see him get around 37, 38, even 40 percent from three. I think that would really help his cause. But there are some concerns about the low release. And is he going to be able to get clean looks against closeouts, against length? And I, I think sometimes it really can depend on who your teammate is. Like if you have a guy like LeBron or Steph Curry or somebody that is really drawing a lot of attention to the defense, then you get a little bit more time to to knock down catch-and-shoot jumpers. But Strother struggles a little bit at the rim. He did make a, a nice play in transition, so I, I was encouraged by that. But overall, I thought that he played okay. But if his role in the NBA is going to be as a shooter, then he's definitely going to have to do uh, do a little bit better on knocking down outside shots. And then the last player that I want to talk about is Hunter Salas. Hunter was the McDonald's All-American. He is a guy that I've – I can't say I know him personally, but I know his mom personally. I have a good relationship with his mom. I'm from Omaha. Hunter's from Omaha. And so I've – been paying attention to his career since he was a little kid I mean I I remember him when he was a little kid (laughs) wearing wearing goggles and so I definitely have a a a big interest in, in just his overall progression this year and I felt like last night was the first time out of all the years that I've been watching him play where he looked a little bit unsure of himself he did not have the same energy and confidence and just pop that he normally plays with I felt like he was trying to make things happen and it was like the situation and I remember going through it myself as a player where you're trying to be aggressive but at the same time you're not trying to make a mistake and I think once you start thinking and trying not to make a mistake you put yourself in a position to not look good and so with Hunter I think that he was just trying to balance things out. He came off the bench, and I know it can be a little bit tough, especially because he was a McDonald's All-American, came in with a lot of hype as a freshman. It was a little bit more understood why he did not have a huge role on last year's team. And then coming in as a sophomore, you expect that him you expect him to have a bigger role. And for him coming off the bench, and maybe that kind of had an impact on on things. I don't know. I didn't get a chance to talk to him. But overall, he was 1 of 6 from the floor, 0 for 3 from deep. Now, his body does look better. He was very skinny coming in, but he's put on some weight. He looks a whole lot stronger. But overall, I just think that he just did not have the same confidence and joy. But Gonzaga just looked out of sync, period, especially in the second half. So I'm not wanting to point him out, but it just seems like they have 
so many guys that are just unsure of their role, and they're going to struggle defensively. I mean, they gave up 99 points yesterday, and it, it makes you wonder, like, was Chet really the, the glue to holding that team together last year? We'll see, but it's early. Like I said, it is just an exhibition game. It doesn't count, so you don't want to look too much into it, but, of course, naturally, you you want to – you go by what you see. Well, thank you so much for making this podcast your first listen. Now for your next listen, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast. It is the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. It is available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcast. Once again, I am Rafael Barlow. Hope everyone has a great weekend, and I will be back on Monday. If all goes well, I have a a guest, the international star that I think is going to be drafted as a guest. So stay tuned. Hope everyone has a great weekend and I am out.